You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the Green Bay Packers finished the game very similar to how people expected. I think the scores um, probably a little bit higher for the most part. If you add a touchdown to each team, pretty much everybody nailed the score, but... Um, Generally speaking, 17-point win, it feels good. Now, we'll, we will, the, the goal here, speak about uh, what happened, get the bad stuff out of the way, and then move on to better things. First of all, as stated, 27-10 to 10 victory, 21 of those points coming in the second quarter, only six points total scored in the second half, three by the Bears, three by the Packers. So for the most part, a pretty defensive game, aside from, again, the Packers in the second quarter just completely losing their minds. But uh, Justin Fields, 7 of 11, 70 yards and a pick. Quite a great day. Aaron Rodgers, 19 of 25, 234 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, The top two running backs having a big day. David Montgomery, 15 attempts, 122 yards. Longest was 28. Aaron Jones, 15 attempts, 132 yards. 36 yards was his longest. He added a rushing touchdown. A.J. Dillon, 18 carries, 61 yards. I don't know why they don't put the average here. That's that's basic. I think I'm going to get off of this and go to... I think PFF actually has some good stats. Here we go. Let's rewind a little bit. Aaron Rodgers, uh, in addition to everything I just said, 9.4 yards per attempt, which is solid. 55 yards was his longest pass was sacked three times, passer rating 131.1. Justin Fields averaged 6.4. His longest was 31 yards, sacked three times, 43.8 passer rating. I don't want to jump ahead, but um, wasn't a whole lot of passing going on. Aaron Jones, 8.8 yards per carry. That was at like 9.8, I think, until the very end of the game. Must have just been a couple carries or whatever. But um, A.J. Dillon, 3.4 yards per attempt. Not a lot going on for him. I don't know if it was just a different style or the way that they used him or whatever, or just, just luck of the draw. I don't know. I know a couple times he got blown up right in the backfield. I did notice a lot of what Aaron Jones did is just being a magic man. His ability to go off script is unbelievable. And I think the Bears did a good job of being disruptive and completely blowing people up. And uh, in those situations, Aaron Jones is the guy you want because he'll just stop on a dime, go in a different direction, and he's off to the races. Aaron Jones also five carries 10 yards. So there you go. Receiving. Um, Equinemius St. Brown was the Bears' biggest receiver. Also the only receiver in two weeks that has received two receptions in a game. Four targets, two receptions, 39 yards is the best performance by a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears in two weeks. Montgomery is the only other guy with two receptions for 14 yards. Herbert had one for three. Ryan Griffin, one for 18. Darnell Mooney, 
Check this out. Darnell Mooney, their number one elite wide receiver. Two targets, one reception, negative four yards. Feels bad. Not for me, but feels bad. Cole Komet, also their dominant tight end. One target, zero receptions. So I guess I guess Equinemius is their, uh, their top receiver. I don't know. Receiving for the Packers. Sammy Watkins. Most targets, tied for most receptions, most yards, highest yards per target, yards per reception. Everything but a tutty, man. But uh, top to bottom, Aaron Jones, 35 fantasy points, by the way, according to this, depending on your rules and everything. But three targets, three receptions, 38 yards, um, 12.7 yards per target, touchdown, 15 yards was his longest reception. Sammy Watkins, four targets, three receptions, 93 yards. 23.2 yards per target, 31 yards per reception, 55 yards was his longest. Lazard had three targets, two receptions, 13 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, three targets, one reception, six yards. Cobb came up clutch a couple times, three targets, three receptions, 37 yards. 20 was his longest. Romeo Dobbs, three targets, two receptions, 27 yards, with a 20-yard reception mixed in. Christian Watson, three targets, three receptions, nine yards. Robert Tunyon, two targets, two receptions, 11 yards. Tyler Davis, one target, zero receptions. So obviously spreading the ball out quite a bit. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers in that game. Defensively, Preston Smith led the team in tackles, which is not something you see very often. But Preston, I thought, from what I could tell, had a phenomenal day. Darnell Savage came up next with six. Then you got Quay and Lowry and Amos with five and then down from there. Tackles for a loss, Preston had two, Rashawn had two, Jair had one, and Razul Douglas obviously had that beautiful play in the backfield. That's going to be a highlight for quite a while. Uh, Interceptions, Jair had the one, pass deflection, Jair and Quay Walker. Special teams, Amari Rogers, one kick return for 24 yards, which is solid. Punt return, three for 20 yards, 6.7 average. 20 was his longest, which is actually quite impressive. Mason Crosby, two for two for his field goals, three for three for his extra points, his longest field goal, 40 yards. Pat O'Donnell, two punts, 122 yards, 61 average, 72-yard banger was his longest. Special teams, another facet of this game that I was uh, very impressed by. Uh, Time of possession might have been the biggest thing that the Packers had going for him. 37 minutes compared to 22 minutes. Packers ran 66 plays compared to the Bears' 41. 414 yards compared to the Bears, 228 yards per play. Packers, 6.3 compared to 5.6 penalties. Remember last week, the Packers were the more undisciplined team. The Bears were the more disciplined team. Packers with three, Bears with seven. Penalty yards, Packers 25, Bears 50. I mentioned that they were both sacked uh, three times, but sack percentage, obviously Aaron Rodgers was um, had more dropbacks. He was sacked on 10.7% of his dropbacks. Justin Fields was sacked 21.4% of his dropbacks. One in five times when he took the ball, he got sacked. That's incredible. Packers ran the ball 38 times compared to the Bears' 27. We had 203 yards compared to their 180 yards per carry. They beat us 5.3 to 6.7. That was obviously a glaring uh, disappointment as far as if, if of the two things that stood out as a major disappointment, that would be one of them. First downs, 26 for the Packers, 11 for the Bears. We got 10 passing compared to their two, 13 rushing compared to their nine. We got three penalties that converted first downs. They had zero. Third down efficiency, Packers are at 56%. Bears, 14%. Red zone, Packers, three of five. Bears, one of two. So we are 60%. They are 50%. 
punting, we beat them uh, as far as average punt yards, 61 compared to 49. And then looking at the the immediate PFF recap here, they've got uh, the offensive spotlight. Packers running back Aaron Jones ripped through the Bears defense for 132 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries, three targets, 38 yards with another touchdown. He forced nine missed tackles on the ground and picked up 85 yards after contact. If that dude does not have an elite grade, I don't know what in the world you have to do. That, that might have been one of the better performances I've ever seen from him, to be completely honest. That was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable what he did. Uh, defensive spotlight, they highlighted Preston Smith. Says he brought pressure on five plays, including two sacks on Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Rookie spotlight, Bears rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon struggled in coverage. That's weird. I thought our wide receivers sucked. The 2022 second-round pick let up 10 catches, 10 catches on 13 targets for 162 yards and a touchdown. He did force one incompletion on the night. Wow. You very rarely see stats anywhere near that. 10 catches on 13. Just being targeted 13 times is crazy, but giving up 10 catches, 162 yards and a touchdown? Dang. Dang. Uh, offensive line spotlight. The Bears' offensive line struggled to protect Fields, letting up 10 total pressures. Fields was sacked three times. Um, we've got some snap counts here. Alan Lazard, not surprisingly, was a top dog. 55 snaps, 26 routes run. We saw Sammy Watkins was the clear number two there. And it looks like the uh, rookies all take a step back. In fact, Christian Watson dropped below Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs, 25 snaps, 13 routes run. Christian Watson, 22 with seven routes run. Randall Cobb, only 20. For the tight ends, Mercedes, 31. Tunyon, 27. Tyler Davis, 21. Josiah DeGuara down to 15. Wow. Aaron Jones, 40 snaps. A.J. Dillon, 39. So that was split right down the middle. If there was one more snap, I have a guess who it would have been. Um, routes run, you got Lazard, 26. Uh, Watkins, 18. Then Dobbs, 13. Cobb, 12. Christian Watson, 7. So I think they're using him a lot to block. As far as targets, though, it's still even across the board. It's kind of actually crazy that Christian Watson, well, I guess two of them were kind of passing, running plays, whatever, but seven routes run and three targets, but uh, three, 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 four. As for the tight ends, Robert Tunyon, 14 routes, Tyler Davis, six, Lewis and DeGuaro in with four. <laughs> Just reading through some of this. Apparently Cole Komet has yet to catch a single pass this year. So there you go. So that's what happened. Why don't we get the bad out of the way? There were, I guess, three things. Number one, the offensive line is a problem. It's a problem. I said this when we lost in the playoffs. I said if there's one thing that's going to fix this, it's the offensive line. We need help because it's not good. Now, we can sit and give credit to the Bears' defensive line if we want to, if we want to pretend that they're really that good. And then Minnesota also has the most elite defensive tackles in history, although they've never really been that. It's bad. Aaron Rodgers doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket, and he shouldn't. We, we don't have the time to attack down the field. It's a waste of time. I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that the whole, you know, the, the snap counts and everything is, is something you need to fully buy into, aside from obviously Lazard's number one. But I think it's a week-to-week situation. And right now they're looking at it saying, we spent too much time putting guys like Dobbs and Watson on the field, trying to attack Minnesota deep down the field when, pa- when Aaron Rodgers didn't have any time in the pocket. So we switched that up. And there was a heck of a lot less Dobbs and Watson because why bother? We don't have time to get down the field. We took that one shot down the field, and that's great that we were able to do it. It was kind of late. Uh, it was play action. Obviously, the Bears didn't expect us to take a shot there at the end of the game. We were just trying to run out the clock, so we were able to take advantage of that. 
but otherwise we didn't even try and good. I mean, we're going to have to do it eventually, but the point is the offensive line is not good enough. Um, I'm willing to give Elton Jenkins a little bit of grace. It's his first game back in a long time. Um, saw him get beat several times. Josh Nyman, I saw him get beat several times. And it seems like the interior, I mean, kudos to them on a, on, on a lot of that run block. That's two weeks in a row, by the way. They've been real good run blocking. Granted, the Vikings and Bears really struggle in that area. But either way, the Packers have never really been able to gash teams the way they have the last two weeks. So that seems to be a, a clear improvement. But the pass blocking has got to get better. We got John Runyon back. We had uh, Elton Jenkins back, and he's st- we still just were not able to give Rodgers a clean pocket for long enough to be able to comfortably sit and find the open guy. And we can we can eke out a win against the Bears. And heck, if I think if we stuck to the run week one, we could probably be two and zero. But against Tampa, that's not going to fly. It's not even with a struggling Tampa. We're not getting away with this stuff. So that has to get better. That's two weeks in a row now that Rodgers has been just under constant, constant, constant pressure. Number two, mental mistakes. We should, I mean, the Packers were better than the score because we should have had probably two more scores. Beautiful drive all the way down the field. No doubt in my mind we're about to punch this thing in for seven. Worst case scenario, we kick a field goal. But man, the way they're cruising down the field, there's no way we're not getting seven on this. And what happens? They try to run this weird thing, and Rodgers and Dylan don't know where they're supposed to stand, and they're doing this weird dance, and they run into each other, balls on the ground, Bears get the ball. We just gave them the ball, and they went out and got points. I think they got three points off of that. Momentum change, 10-point swing, because we don't know where to stand and how to do a simple handoff? Come on. And then same thing, a nice drive. We, were a little, we weren't quite as far down the field, but another real nice drive getting put back together. Everything seems to be okay. All right, we got it. You know, we made a mistake. Things happen. We're cruising. We're grooving. Everything's good. We're in Bears territory. We're about to score. And Josh Myers snaps the ball into Christian Watson as he's going into motion. And we lose like 40 yards on that play. Not literally, but I mean, it was, it's brutal. Stupid stuff. And I don't know if, if Josh snapped it too soon or if Watson was a little slow coming across. I don't know what happened. We still got Rodgers getting too late to the line, doesn't know what's going on, trying to hurry, hurry, hurry. Those plays ended getting blown up because the offensive line isn't quite ready for it yet. Burning timeouts. We clearly have issues with communication. We've got, you know, I'm guessing the loss of snap counts isn't just Alan Lazard. I think, I think they realize that Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs aren't quite where they need to be. We had Romeo Dobbs, again, do exactly what Christian Watson did last week. Real quick, simple pass, and he didn't get his head around fast enough, and the ball just sailed. Now, the ball looked like it was too short, but that also could have been his fault. I don't know. But the... You know, we, we understand that some things are going to take time. You, you, you're willing to give Elton a little time to settle in. You're willing to give uh, the rookie receivers a little bit of time to settle in, especially Christian Watson, who didn't even play in training camp or the preseason. But some of this stuff, first of all, needs to get cleaned up immediately. But second of all, shouldn't even be a problem to begin with. Rodgers and Dylan messing up a handoff should never happen. Josh Myers. I mean, I know he's just a second-year guy, but I mean, he, he came out of a major program. What, what he's got going on between the ears is a big part of the reason why he's on this team. We need to be able to be in sync. Thirdly, and I'm, I'm going to try not to be too harsh on the defense because 10 points is 10 points, and that's a beautiful thing, but I am so tired of the Packers struggling in run defense. It's been forever. No matter how good the Packers are in any one category, they've got great DBs, they've got good pass rushers, whatever it is, they got this one good thing that they got. Never, ever, ever, ever can the Packers stop the run. Ever. It's just a curse that will never go away. 
And again, for the second week in a row, they don't just they don't just fail quietly. They get embarrassed. You got Justin Jefferson absolutely going off, and now we got the Bears running back looking like a super. We made two guys look like superstars back to back weeks by just being not not just bad, not just struggling, abysmal. They can't throw the ball. The offensive line can't block for fields, and fields is inept, and the wide receivers can't get open. So all you have to do is sell out on stopping the run. That's it. We've spent so much money and so much investment getting all these elite players, first-round picks from end to end. We paid Devondre Campbell big money, and then our first pick out of two is Quay Walker. We go out and get Jaron Reed, who looked awful from what I could tell. Didn't see a ton of him, but man, that guy just wasn't doing anything. We got Kenny Clark. We got Devontae Wyatt. We got Dean Lowry. We got all these guys that we keep stacking up along that front, along with Preston and Rashawn. And they just push us. They, they got a, 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 a hodgepodge of has-beens and throwaways. Lucas Patrick, our old backup swing guard center guy. Larry Borum, a fifth-round second-year player. Tevin Jenkins, who was about to be cut. Another fifth-year, uh, a fifth-round pick on at left tackle, and Cody Whitehair, who Bears fans could, can't get out of Chicago fast enough, playing left guard. Not to mention Sam Mustafer, who was a complete joke last year. Th- this is this is David and Goliath, and they're getting embarrassed. Now it wasn't every single drive, but it it doesn't matter. You can't do that. The 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 complete lack of gap assignment and the missed tackles were horrible. The amount of times you had the guy dead to rights and couldn't bring him down. Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, guys that should not struggle to bring down a running back. You got 100 pounds on the guy. And, and again, credit to Montgomery for being a good running back, but give me a break. We take good guys and make them look like Hall of Famers. We, he looked like peak Adrian Peterson out there. That's an absolute embarrassment. Again, kudos to the defense. They got it done. 10 points is all that matters. I understand that. I'm all about it. I'm super hyped up about it. But you can't, you're never going to get credit for being an elite defense if you're doing that garbage. Tampa Bay doesn't do that. The Saints don't do that. 49ers aren't going to do that. They're not going to let teams gash you like that. They, they, you, they, they might slow bleed down the field a couple times, but just getting completely embarrassed like that is, is it, it's completely unacceptable. So, I mean, it's, it's an improvement, and that's great, but, I mean, we're, we're getting into week three now. This is not baseball. You don't get, you know, 10, 15 games to figure it out. You kind of need to be ready week one, and if you're not, you darn sure better be ready by week two, and, I, and we're looking at it going, we're not quite there yet. Well, okay, we're, we're approaching the quarter way through the season point. Got to get ready. Got to be there. So th- those are the three issues, and, and none of them were horrific throughout the whole game. Right, the offensive line did a good, did a great job run blocking for the most part, and they weren't terrible pass blocking the whole game. It was just worse than it should have been. The mental mistakes, obviously, for the most part of the game, it wasn't there. But when it showed up, it was brutal. And and even stuff like on defense, when the Bears ran to the line and we're not even set, and they gash us for what twenty two yards because we can't get set. Come on, man, little things. And we just, I'm doing this live after the game, so information's coming in. Guys are going to the podium, but we've got some information on the two big mental mistakes. Aaron Rodgers took credit for the Dylan fumble. He said it was his fault. And he said Myers was the one that messed up the, the snap that hit Watson in the hands. Said he had a brain fart on it. Oh, you know what? There's, there's one more problem in this game. And it's not the team, it's the fans. I, uh, 
I know 95% of you are not the problem. And if you went to the game and you lost your voice because you were just freaking out and screaming, having a great time, supporting a team, much love. But talk about embarrassing. I, I am so sick of watching the television and having to have the offense tell them to please stop chanting, go pack, go, when we're on offense. And then have the only team I've ever seen have to tell their own crowd to be quiet when they're on offense and then see the sideline with the coach screaming in the stands, come on, make noise, as they pan to the audience and I see guys sitting on their butt drinking a beer with his wife very politely like waving a towel next to him, you know, clapping, yeah, come on, guys. I, I just don't get it. Is it that hard to figure out? You don't scream, go Pack Go, and start a chant throughout the whole stadium when the Packers are about to score and they can't hear in their own huddle. What is wrong with you people? This is not hard. Every second that the opposing team is on the f- offense, you make noise. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if you're told to shush or sit down or whatever. I don't care. You make noise. Yes, you can, you can save yourself for third down if you really feel like, but I'm, I'm so sick of this garbage etiquette that you have where you have to just sit there quietly on first and second down, and if the defense happens to get them on third down, then you can kind of sort of eventually make noise, but it takes about five minutes to ramp up the noise, and by that point, they've already got a first down. I mean, you got the coach telling you what to do. You got the players jumping up and down, waving their arms. Please make noise. Please make noise. This is a critical time. You see them wave. I can't even hear the, the stadium on my TV hardly. You got the big board telling you what to do. Make noise. It was, it was, it was embarrassing seeing the big screen up there saying, please be quiet as the crowd's making noise and the, and the players are waving their arms to tell you to keep your voice down. It's just, it's, it's insane to me, especially for a group that doesn't like to make noise. Suddenly you want to get loud when the Packers are on offense. I mean, I, I really think Packer fans are, they just, they're just fans that like, like watching it on, t- they feel like they're watching it on TV, but they just happen to be in the stadium. You know, like I'm, I'm making a lot of noise when the Packers are on offense. I'm cheering and I'm screaming and everything else saying, let's go Packers. Come on, clapping my hands, but I'm in my house. I'm sorry to tell you, you have a role to play, and you don't get to go in there and disrupt our offense so they can't hear the play call because I paid the money, I get to do whatever I want. This is the most simple thing on planet Earth, loud when we're on defense, quiet when we're on offense, that's it. I don't know the point of even saying this over and over because it's every single week, it's the same thing. It's just ridiculous. And every time I say this, somebody's going to be, I was at the game, it was loud. Okay, I'm just telling you, I couldn't hardly hear anything. I watch TV. I watch football games. I know what a loud stadium sounds like. I heard it last week when we played in Minnesota. That's not what Lambeau Field sounded like. I saw the coach getting angry, waving his arms, saying, come on, make noise. So Matt LaFleur was in the stadium, too. He didn't necessarily agree with you. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back and talk about the positives, of which there were many. On the other side, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support this very podcast, you can do it for as little as $1 per month. Thank you ever so much for uh, Vicky Davies for jumping in on Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much for your support. If you'd like to support Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find links to that pinned to the top of my Twitter as well as in the Packing and Podcast Facebook group. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. 
Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's going to be a little jarbled because I want to just kind of go over general positives, but there's so much going on with all the interviews and everything, and they're going on for a long time. I was like, oh, I'll just listen to what Matt LaFleur has to say, and it's like, dude, this is... I thought it was going to be like five minutes. This has been going on forever. But um, usually I like to be methodical, go by position by position, whatever. It's not going to be quite like that, but um, I'll do the best I can to make it somewhat cohesive and coherent as we kind of just go through essentially my Twitter timeline, pulling up some highlights. But um, I want to play this clip for you. This is Sammy Watkins just talking about his big play. It's just exciting to hear from him. I know, again, Packer fans really... Couldn't care less that he's here, not super excited about him, um, but he's excited about it, and he's got some pretty high praise for that play, but here's the uh, here's the comment. Um, we was running Skyper all night, Skype, and uh, I, I guess the coaches is holding on it until we need it. I did a good release, got over top, and uh, literally a freaking model. Uh, so I think the coach is dialing it up. And um, that, I think that was one of my top plays in the last two or three years to go deep on um, the past. So it felt really- Probably hard to hear. I don't know why the microphones are so terrible. It's picking up more background noise than his voice. So I don't know. Somebody's recording that with their cell phone or something annoying. Well, it's Matt Schneidman, obviously, recording with his cell phone. Anyways, um, he was just talking about how, you know, the, the Packers are kind of sitting on that play for just the right time. And they dialed it up at the right time. And he says, literally, I was freaking wide open. And he said that was one of the best plays, deep shots he's had in the last two to three years. So he's obviously very excited about the Packers being able to tap into his full potential. A couple Aaron Rodgers nuggets. He says that the Packers are just scratching the surface of what the offense can do with Aaron Jones, which seems shocking because I can't imagine a single other thing that we could do with Aaron Jones. It's just insane. I do, I do love it, man, and it almost seems like you could understand how difficult the offense is now because 
they're doing so many things. You know what I mean? Um, it's always been a complex offense, but you don't have to run every single play in your playbook. I feel like the Packers are running every single play they have like once. You know what I mean? They're not running anything twice. It's just, let's, you know, we got about 500 plays. It's funny when you watch that show, Kitchen Nightmares, and Gordon Ramsay'd go to these restaurants and he hates restaurants with big menus. His menus are always like a page, you know, like one on each side or something, maybe like four pages or something. But some of these places will have like 50 pages and the one the one restaurant had like a concept. You had to, you had to explain the, the restaurant's concept to him. That's the Packers offense. And they, they, in a game, they'll basically read off like a page out of their Cheesecake Factory-sized menu. It's just, it's so much stuff. And you can see how, you know, again, coming down hard because you're a professional football player. You guys got to, you got to tighten it up. But man, there's a lot. Just watching it, you know, and the, and the nuance of everything. I mean, I, he calls a play, right? And you have to understand everything about what the play is, the theory behind the play. And then it depends how the guy's lined up across from you and the guy next to you because there's a general concept and then there's how it applies to the defensive front that you're staring at and communicating that to the rest of the offensive linemen and the wide receivers have to understand what they're doing and blocking down this guy. And, ay yay, You know, we, we got pony package up the wazoo and we did every different, you know, Aaron Jones runs a route, A.J. Dillon runs the ball. Aaron Jones runs the ball, A.J. Dillon lead blocks. I mean, there's, there's, oh my goodness, the amount of things they're doing. So for Rodgers to say they're just scratching the surface, in other words, we've got an entire book for just Aaron Jones, and we haven't really even gotten to it yet. And that is the good thing. I mean, it, listen, the, the offense is not where I hoped it would be this week. I thought it would be better. I hoped that the passing offense in particular would be better. It wasn't bad. But I was just hoping there would be more time in the pocket and Aaron Rodgers would be able to find the open guy. I really thought Watson and Dobbs might have a little bit more. I knew, well, I, I, I knew I, would be, I was wrong. I thought Lazard would be the big time guy, right? They're going to feature him. And maybe that's the issue. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch it. But maybe trying to put him in that spot wasn't the greatest. I don't know. But last week, seeing guys get so wide open and not seeing it this week um, was not what I expected. However, I was going through some of the next-gen stats while I was sitting there listening to Matt LaFleur's press conference, and one of the things I noticed that was shocking is I looked at the running backs and how many times guys were had eight men in the box. So you look at the running back and how many times they faced eight men in the box. David Montgomery was one of the highest, which, again, massively disappointing. 25% of the time we got eight men in the box. Granted, maybe those are the times we actually stopped them. I don't know, but, you know, we still couldn't stop them. The Bears, zero times. And for the record, almost every running back faced eight men in the box. Two of the maybe 10 that didn't were Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Basically, the Bears came into this game saying either we don't think they're going to run the ball, right? Like, you know, I know they said they're going to do it more, but yeah, right. You're the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. You're not going to do it. Or they came in just deathly scared of Aaron Rodgers, which most teams don't do that. Seems like most teams will, um, especially with the wide receiver situation, and and the fact that it was so successful all day, you would think at one point you'd say, let's bring another guy in there and try to slow down this this rushing attack. And, you know, I mean, we're getting good enough pressure. We can dare Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Maybe hope for a pick. Guy runs a wrong route. I don't know. Zero time. So I'm willing to be gracious to the the passing offense because, again, 
they stayed as, as a defense that was trying to take away the pass and just daring the Packers to run. And the Packers are like, okay, I guess we'll just run it. Um, couple, there's a lot of praise going on, but Rogers said of Jones and Dylan that they are examples of being a pro talking about Sammy Watkins. He talked about it, a, a text exchange that he had had with him. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's not necessary, but at the end of that conversation he had through text with Sammy Watkins, he, um, he said, man, we really got a special person here. Don't know the full context. I'm guessing personality has a part to do with it, but he did specifically mention that he understands his role in Green Bay. Says A.J. Dillon might have some of the best hands on the team, and I don't disagree with that at all. He is unbelievable. That double catch he made today wasn't even surprising. I mean, that guy just does not drop anything. A lot of praise for Elton Jenkins. Uh, Roger says tonight was an absolute success for Elton Jenkins. Um, Matt LaFleur flat out said we don't win the game if not for that. He, he kind of talked about how just his presence and being able to play right tackle allowed us to upgrade the right guard. Now, you didn't say upgrade, but allowed us to put Royce at right guard. And he said that that made a massive improvement. We don't win this game if it wasn't for 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 that and for him. Um, he did go on to say, you know, there's some stuff that he, I'm sure, wished he could clean up or whatever, but still just massive. And it is. I mean, I, I really like our offensive line. I think we have a good offensive line. They just got to, you know, just get to that point. You know, I, I miss the days where Rodgers just stood in the pocket for like five seconds. You know, when a sack came, it just kind of came out of nowhere and boom, he goes down. But for the most part, he's just hanging out. It just, it's it's not there yet. But they've got the guys. You know, I mean, obviously when David Bakhtiari comes back, it's a different ballpark, ball game, you know, whenever, if ever, whatever. Um, but Runyon is a high quality pass blocker. Elton Jenkins is a extremely high quality pass blocker. Uh, Royce is, if nothing else, an upgrade. And Josh Myers is is at least adequate, as is Yash. You know, he's he's not optimal, but good enough. You know, good enough to to be able to perform a little bit better. But but again, I like the group, and it, and it's it is huge that Elton is back, and I hope that he's feeling good after today. And um, the, the obviously big test next week for for David Bakhtiari. Uh, Match Nyman says Elton Jenkins didn't have his best game, but Aaron Rodgers said performance doesn't always determine level of success. Said he's really proud of how Jenkins battled back and returned to game action less than ten months after ACL tear. It sounds like he he um, there, there's something about the way that he returned or or the fact that he returned. You know he 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 won over his team. I don't know exactly what it was. I don't know if he's playing through pain or or what the situation is, but the way that Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers are going to bat for Elton Jenkins is 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 unique. This tweet from Ryan Woody says, I asked Aaron Jones, how many inside linebackers in the NFL can chase down Justin Fields like Clay Walker, Quay Walker, not Clay Walker, did tonight? He thought about it for a moment. Devin White came to mind. That's the only one he could think of. Jones sitting in his locker then looked over at Walker and said, he's a different linebacker. I do wish Quay had a couple better, and and granted, a lot of these missed tackles are not clean misses. It's you're kind of half blocked and you're half on them or, you know, draped over his back from behind type of stuff. They're, they're not clean hits, which in the NFL against NFL running backs, you kind of got to, you know, they, they, they teach form tackling for a reason. You come in half cocked with one arm, you're probably not going to get him down. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Quay. I mean, his, his movement, his power, his violence. I love it. Um, it's a little bit longer, but here is the clip of Aaron Rodgers talking about Elton. I just... I just want to play it because, well, first of all, I'm excited Elton's back. Um, but beyond that, how excited everybody else is. But here's what he had to say. And for Elton, I thought tonight was an absolute success. I really do. Uh, he's been out for a long time. 
that he's battled in practice and battled in his rehab, and he went out there and played an NFL football game. That, to me, is a successful night. And a lot of times we get caught up in, in a definition of success that's actually never really attainable. So we live in this uh, feedback loop of negative self-talk and uh, self-criticism that I don't think is good for a healthy ego or good for our own confidence. So what I know the guys were telling them and what I feel about them is that tonight was a huge success for Elton, and I couldn't be prouder of Elton Jenkins. Also a little random, but here's, <laughs> here's Jair Alexander. They must have caught him right after the game, showing him the highlight of his pick and asking him to, I guess, comment on it. So here's him doing that. Oh, yeah, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, okay, boom, he's scrambling. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. Huh? Hey, I, I got to ask you, though. Was that zone or was that man? That was man with a little zone. It was both. And then the celebration on the sideline, what went down over <laughs> oh man Jair's having some fun another interesting little tidbit and again probably a lame excuse but the opening drive the only touchdown drive of the Chicago Bears first of all is the first drive and the first drive a lot of times the offense has a lot of success it's a scripted drive and all that stuff but also Matt LaFleur mentioned that the um the Packers headsets were going in and out and they were having a lot of problems and they tried to swap them out and it was disastrous presumably meaning they didn't get a call in and it caused some kind of a problem. I think he referenced the flea flicker, but I'm not entirely positive. But regardless, three points after that for the rest of the game, after the first drive, Chicago's 48 yards passing is the fewest the Packers have given up since Minnesota had 27 in 2006. This is the fewest yards passing allowed against the Packers since 2000. And six. What was that 16 years ago? Man. I was I, I had just graduated high school. I was out mowing lawns somewhere, probably working at the airport, taking a year off before going to college. That's crazy. Matt LaFleur, of course, went on to uh, brag about the fans. He can do that. I'm not doing that. Again, 95% of you, of course. But man, some of you guys get on my nerves. <laughs> it might be it might be up to 10%. I don't know. But it's, it's crazy. By the way, I'm going to do one thing before we get into some of the positives for the Packers. And it's just general stuff that we've kind of already touched on. But before we get there, I got to do it. I, I made a decision before the game started. I'm not going to go on Twitter and troll Bears fans. I'm not going to do it. I saved a bunch of tweets. I was ready to start pulling receipts and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. However, on this podcast, it's fair game. I'm not going to go at- attacking them over there, but if they want to come to my podcast, they're going to find some. And maybe if they want to bring up some BS about how it's Bears versus the refs, then I'm, I might attack that stuff. But I found this humorous because um, I, didn't, I didn't expect this. See, the, um, I had mentioned on this podcast not very long ago, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, The Bears are operating with a very thin veneer. Remember me using that word, veneer? You probably do because it's a weird word and I probably used it improperly. But the point is, they've got a lot of bravado, they've got a lot of excitement, and they've probably got a lot of tricks in their sleeve, like the flea flicker and all these little cutesy things that they got going on. And they're going to empty the bag. Nagy did this the first time he played the Packers, too. They played like it was the Super Bowl. They ran like six trick plays in that game. We barely won it, if I remember properly. I don't know. Maybe we lost it. I don't know. 
Doesn't matter. Pretty sure we won it, though. And I, I honestly think the Bears fans are that way, too. They had gotten to a point last year where they were broken down. They had given up. Toward the end of the year, remember laughing at the enemy, how bad it had gotten? They'd given up on Justin Fields. He was a bum. They'd more or less given up on Roquan. They'd absolutely given up on Eddie Jackson. They gave up. But then there was an infusion of hope. They got a new coach. They got a new offensive coordinator. They started buying into the hype. They beat the 49ers. Man, oh man, this is the real deal. About halfway through this game, you could feel the Chicago Bears team realize it's fake. We have laid it all on the line, and there's just nothing here because at the end of the day, talent wins out, right? You, they, they, I, I believe they wanted it more than the Packers did. I'm watching the Packers not, not run, you know, not hustle to make tackles. Not, they just didn't look like they wanted it as much as the Chicago Bears did. But at the end of the day, there's not enough talent to pull off a win against the Green Bay Packers, even on an off day. And they recognized that. They, they, they got to the point where they realized it. And Bears fans have it's one loss. One loss. And I was surprised by this. I see Jacob Infanti on here. Bears fans sum up this game in just three words. Mine, WTF. He said the words, but you get the point. And I expected to come in here and be like, I thought all the comments would be, dude, it's one game. Relax. I thought there'd be a lot of blaming the refs. Packers cheat, refs cheat. I thought the Bears actually played better than the Packers. They got a couple lucky breaks. I expected all that stuff. I thought they'd still be riding the the just all over this. I want to read a couple comments because I'm I'm stunned how quickly this is unraveled. First comment, Fields is bad. Next comment, same old You get it. They aren't better than Green Bay. Getsy is bad. FML. Same old It happened again. F this team. These are Bears fans. I'm checking the profiles. This guy's got a picture of Justin Fields right there. F this team. One loss. Cole Komet, McDonald's. One week ago, two weeks ago, Cole Komet was going to be a great tight end. He was going to show the world. <laughs> now you got a guy saying he should go work at McDonald's. Gordon got baptized. That was from Chicago Sports Takes. In other words, dude got tore up. Kyler Gordon is terrible. Justin Fields sucks. They are better. No steps forward. Same old saw this coming. Seriously, outside of Adam Rank, who seriously thought the Bears were winning that game in Lambeau? I want happiness. Stop using shotgun. Please stop putting the Bears on prime time. (laughs) That's from Rowdy Bear Down. No offensive coordinator. Like, what plays are we running? This is bad. Five minutes before this game started, I got into an argument about whether Getze was a great offensive coordinator or not. Now, all of a sudden, they don't have an offensive coordinator. You got one guy in here saying refs versus bears, and you got another guy with bear down in his profile that says, come on now, man, this whole team was awful. Fields looked scared and confused. Defense couldn't stop anything. Coaches couldn't play call at all. Everyone was bad, and the refs certainly didn't help. Justin Fields needs to figure it out as much as everyone else does here. This says, let Getze cook, and it's a... A complete massive fire of some kind, obviously being sarcastic. This staff seems all the way out on Fields. This was a Krenzel offense. Gotta be better. Fields ain't it. Kyler got cooked. Roquan got away. Roquan go away. D was exposed. No heart. No weapons. Mooney, two receptions, four yards. Defense was purged. Sick of this. Where's the fun, creative play calling that utilize field strengths and not just run, run, pass? Bears still suck, unfortunately. Horrid play calling. That was embarrassing. Stop the shotgun. Sick of losing to Green Bay. Too many mistakes. Same old Bears. 
So effing disappointed. Justin Fields sucks. Fire the incompetent idiot who called shotgun on fourth and an inch after the way they got down the field. Terrible play calling. I'm not surprised. Bears are who we thought they were. Fields still unproven. He owns us. Justin deserves better. Throw the ball. Let this sink in. QB1 with a C on his jersey gets 11 attempts in a game. Guy says it's a long rebuild. Mock draft time. Another worthless season. 11 pass attempts. 11 pass attempts. It's 1930s football. Where is Mooney? Still owns us. I mean, it's... This, this is all the comments, all the way down. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on with only a handful of, it's the ref's fault or, you know, we're still young. <laughs> somebody somebody uh, commented, let Fields play. And below that, somebody else commented, how does 2023 NFL draft quarterback class look? CJ Stroud, Bryce Young lead strong group. In other words, they're, they're looking to replace Justin Fields right now. It's hilarious seeing the the mixing of free Justin Fields and Fields sucks bad, which by the way is true. There's a reason he had 11 pass attempts, because passing the ball was a disaster. I was so excited toward the end of the game because I knew it was over. Once they had to pass, the game was over. And sure enough, he throws uh, uh, like one terrible pass and then right after that throws a pick. Fields was hot garbage. I wish they didn't have the ability to run the ball and were forced to throw it because they would... uh, I mean, I, I get the first drive and everything, but that was... There's a very clear reason they ran the ball so much. Because running the ball was a massive success and Fields was a massive failure. All that to say, laughing at the enemy is going to be a lot of fun. Okay? Might be as early as tomorrow, probably. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. But let's do some quick hitters here. First of all, in two weeks, I think Aaron Rodgers has been phenomenal. I know he hasn't been perfect. I know he botched that run play. Some of the passes haven't been exactly on target. But there are certain times in Aaron Rodgers' career where we've seen him and it's just, something's just off with him. And I know last week it was a little weird with the ball not coming out and everything, but his passes are, seem extremely accurate. And he seems laser-focused. And, and I think there are, there are natural problems that come when you don't trust your receivers and your receivers aren't doing the right thing and your offensive line isn't doing the right thing. He's, he's, he's not very comfortable, but he's battling through that and I think he looks incredible right now. And if this offensive line can tighten up and if the, if the receivers can get a little bit more on the, on the right page, I think Aaron, I mean, he's, he's the most important piece. And in those years in which he's kind of, something's just been off, you know, 2015, 2018, you look at him and just go, what? Something's wrong here. Even 2019 a little bit, it was kind of, something was just a little off. I think he's been phenomenal. I love our mix on offense. Obviously our running backs are special. And honestly, the couple thoughts I had on Aaron Jones today. The, the first was, as much as I've been saying, I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm ready to move on. I don't want Aaron Jones to leave. But with his cost going up, you, you look at it and go, well, at least we're in a good position with A.J. Dillon. I watched this game today and said, I don't think we can let him go. This guy, is, he, he's just on another level. I love A.J. Dillon. I think he's a great running back. And I think if we did move on, A.J. Dillon would, would more than be a quality starting running back in the NFL. He already is. But as the, the lone 1A. But Aaron Jones is just a different back. And I, I understand there are going to be games where Aaron Jones doesn't really get cooking quite as well. And A.J. Dillon, you know, has, has the better day or whatever. But he just does things that I've never seen before. And he's done that since he got here. I, I remember when he got here and he would do those things. And I, I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, it's not sustainable. He can't do that every single time, every single week. And he's never stopped. He finds ways to just keep getting down the field. And 
you know, they even mentioned it. He's got, I, I would say, more power than A.J. Dillon does somehow. He's quicker, he's shiftier, he's unbelievably intelligent. His, his brain works at such a high level. And I, I just don't think he gets enough credit, including from Packer fans. And we love him. There's no question. But, I mean, he's he's borderline like Devontae level as far as running backs go. And I know it's not as flashy, as impressive as, as a wide receiver. He's probably not going to get as many yards and everything. But just in terms of how impressive he is at the position, he really is like a Devontae level guy. And I really don't want him to leave. I don't know that it's possible to keep him, but I'm just saying I don't want the guy to go. I love the one-two punch that we have. I love that we can keep Aaron Jones fresh and A.J. Dillon fresh. I love the pot. You know what else I love? I love that every time it was like third and two, I knew for a fact we were going to pick it up. They put A.J. Dillon in the backfield. I knew we were going to run it, and I knew we were going to get it. The run blocking, I've already kind of talked about it. And, and that's not just an offensive line thing. That's, that's, a, that's a team thing. And I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. But, you know, you got guys like Mercedes Lewis, and I know Josiah DeGuara's snap counts have gone down, but he was the highest graded offensive player last year or last week. And um, I know he had some good blocks in this game as well. My son even pointed out a couple. He's like, who's 81? He blocked that guy off the screen or whatever. I'm like, that's DeGuara. But I, I, I just, you know what I've never had before with watching the Packers? And, and probably few teams fans have had this, but one of my favorite activities with this offense is finding out who's lining up. I, immediately when they start going, like, oh, who's the, oh, there's Watson. Oh, and they got, uh, they, they, they got Davis. and that, that, that. The one time they had um, Mercedes Lewis. Tyler Davis, Lazard, Watkins, and Dylan out there, I think is what it was. And it was all the big guys. You got your big back, you got your two blocking tight ends, and then you got your two bigger blocking wide receivers out there. And sure enough, they did run it. They ran it up the middle for like no yards. But you just look at that and, and just the different packages you can put out there. You know, and, and Sammy, he's, he's a blocker, but he's also a speed guy. So you get, you leave Sammy on the field and you put Dobbs and Watson out there and suddenly you got three crazy deep threats. You know, you put... Cobb and, and Watkins and Lazard out there, which you're starting three, and you got your veteran, and you've also got three different, you got Lazard, who's a little bit more speed, you got Randall, who's the intermediate, the, uh, the, the slot guy, you got Lazard, that's the bigger, stronger guy. There's just an infinite number of things you can do, and you just keep rotating. I can't even imagine as a defense trying to keep this all straight. One minute, we got two backs. Next minute, we got five wide receivers, and then we got two tight ends, and we got this. And even when we go five wide, it's not even wide receivers. We have five receivers, but one of them's a running back. One of them's a tight end, and that'll switch. It's crazy. And I'm serious. That's my favorite thing. When, when that offense goes out there, I'm like, oh, 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 we got, oh, oh, there's Dylan on the end over there next to Tyler Davis. And then on this end, you got Watkins and, and Cobb and Dobbs. It's like such a weird, I just, I, I absolutely love it. And I think it's a massive asset, but I, I just think right now, again, it's, it's so much. It's so much. There's so many guys doing so many different things and so many different packages and running so many different concepts out of each of these different packages. I think the potential for lethality with that is is sky high, but the ability to fully comprehend it, and massive kudos to Aaron Rodgers, because if you're Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs or Randall Cobb, you got to understand the plays that you're out there for. Rodgers has to understand all of this stuff. You call a play, and these are your five guys, and you understand here's your running back receiver, there's your tight end receiver, here's your three receivers, this guy is this guy, and then you're reading the defense, and then we're off. Oh, my goodness. Can't even imagine that. But I love the individual components they have. Lazard is such a reliable target. He doesn't seem to get a lot of separation, but it doesn't matter because Rodgers throws pinpoint passes to him and he catches every single one of them. Sammy is showing some real solid speed and some great hands. Randall is, is exactly what you want out of Randall Cobb. 
He's he's all reliable. He's going to run the right route. He's going to be in the right spot. And if he's got enough separation, you give him a good enough ball, he's going to catch it. Dobbs and Watson are the guys that, you know, they, they don't exactly know what they're doing. It's kind of like, you know, I've been watching a lot of uh, Deadliest Catch. They're the Greenhorns. But as much as the Greenhorns are always the guys that don't know what they're doing and all this stuff, they're also the guys with the highest potential because it's, as they say, it's a young man's game. You hit 30 years old on a crab boat, you're kind of over the hill. So the young guys, they're the ones that can pull, you know, 35-hour physical manual labor and, and can handle it. It gets harder as you get older. So these are the guys, that's where all the potential is. The electricity, the, the, the way their body moves. You know, Randall, he doesn't quite have that top speed gear anymore. Lazard never really has. Sammy's lost a step. You know, watching Rodgers try to run for that first down, I mean, he did it, but you can tell he, he doesn't quite have the same gear that he used to have. Those are the guys, Romeo and Christian, those are the guys that have that electricity, but they, they, they're not quite there yet, obviously, but it's still there. And again, just, just again on the, on the run blocking, I, I have never seen a Packers offensive line, or at least not in a very long time, execute run blocking the way that they have. And it's not always pretty, and maybe a lot of it has to do with the running backs just making something out of nothing, but sometimes there's nothing to be made out of nothing. And we've seen that a couple times. If there's at least something to be made out of nothing, that's still something. Somebody blocked somebody out of the way and made somewhat of a hole. Defensively, it's hard to tell. Along the defensive line, I'm sure some of those guys tore it up and some didn't. I don't know who was who. I didn't see a lot of push from the interior. I saw Kenny miss a, miss a tackle. I saw Jaron Reed. Every time I saw him, he upset me. So I'll just leave that alone because maybe he had a great day and I just caught him on the wrong play. Uh, I, I didn't see Slayton or Wyatt. I know they were out there. I just didn't really see him. Preston, unbelievable day. Every time I saw that guy, he's getting a pressure. He's making a tackle. He's making tackles on the other side of the field. I saw him at one point lined up in the slot, and then he comes back over, like just trying to confuse him or something. I don't know what that was. Rashawn, every single time I look at him, he's getting to the quarterback. Maybe it's just a luck thing at it. But, you know, a lot of the times when you're looking and there's not quite the pressure that you want it to be, it's because you're just not looking in the right spot. You'll see Rashawn, and he'll do his bull rush, and he'll go straight to the quarterback with the ball came out. And if, if you weren't staring at Rashawn, you'd just be like, oh, another play, there's no pressure. God, you don't realize that from the second Rashawn Gary made contact with the tackle, that tackle was just backpedaling the entire time. He absolutely crushed the guy. He just didn't have enough time to get to him. So Rashawn is just a special guy. Uh, Jair, I saw him get cooked real bad that one time by Equinemius. Play got called back by a penalty. That was, that was real ugly. But um, as far as I can tell, he shut down everybody the rest of the day. In fact, the rest of the, the DBs in general just shut everybody else down. Um, that, that interception, by the way, I don't know what, why I ended up skipping to corner, but that interception was so awesome because, and I don't know how much he intended this, but he was clearly trailing. And the cool thing about our DBs is they have that next gear. And Jair has that gear. And as soon as the ball came out, it, you know, one minute he's open and the next minute he's not. I'm not going to necessarily go out of my way to say he baited him. But it sort of looked that way because he was kind of jogging behind him. And as soon as the ball came out, it was just, it was easy pickings. Stokes also had a play. Uh, Justin Fields massively overthrew him. So we don't know exactly how it would have panned out. But uh, Mooney had the guy beat for about a half a second. And Stokes, you know, he, he got turned around. And usually that can be lethal in the NFL. But his speed was so ridiculous. He not only was able to catch back up to him in about 1.3 seconds, but he ended up in front of him and nearly picked the pass, which was massively overthrown. But uh, aside from the pick, I think Razul Douglas had such an unbelievably good day. Flying around the field, the energy, the violence. I loved what I saw from him. We didn't get to see a lot from the corners um, because they didn't get thrown at very much. But 
I thought they had a great day. Jair did miss that one tackle, which is upsetting, but he's a corner. He's smaller. You don't really... It's just because everybody's missing tackles, you get upset. Like, come on, man. Jair, not you two. Get the guy down, will you? Linebackers, is kind of hard to tell. I, You know, again, you'd have to go back and watch it. I All I saw was missed tackles, but there's also a lot of plays that didn't go anywhere, and I'm sure they played a lot, a lo- uh, a big role in that. You know, some t- sometimes in certain situations, especially certain positions, you only see the bad. You know, they, they play 40, 50 plays. You see three of their bad plays. You don't see much of anything else. You know, it's hard to say. I know Quay was flying around, but again, the, the only real time I, I noticed him was when he missed tackle. So I will reserve any further judgment for, um, you know, first of all, PFF, and then secondly, going back and watching it for myself. The safeties I was not a fan of. Now, it's hard to be critical because, again, there were no real big plays taken down the field or anything like that. But again, it was a a, a tackling issue. I just didn't really massively like it. Now, maybe they did a fantastic job in coverage, which is why we just didn't see a lot going on. And maybe the tackling wasn't that bad. But Savage in particular, just like, come on, man. But again, lots of plays and, and the balls just were not really going anywhere. And that means somebody's doing something on the back end. So hard, hard to really judge too much based on based on that. But I think one of the most exciting things in this entire game was special teams. And we're going to end on special teams. I was beyond excited with special teams. Amari did drop one, which could have been devastating if somebody had been down there and took the ball away and everything else. Dropped it and very quickly picked it up and ran out of bounds. But otherwise, I thought Amari did a good job returning. Um, I feel like for years, we've watched returners just kind of run in a straight line and go down at like the 18-yard line. He's actually like making cuts and, and getting to the 25 and things and had a couple decent returns. I thought the punting was great. I thought the kicking was great. But maybe most impressively was the coverage. Dallin Levitt, I know he had a penalty, but man, the amount of times I saw six down there was incredible. Rudy Ford, another guy that was specifically brought in. Remember, he flew down the field. I don't remember if he actually made the tackle or not, but that was another one where my son said, who is 20? And I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, I wonder if that's Rudy Ford. I can't really remember. But it was the same thing for for. Dallin Levitt and Rudy Ford. We saw six and twenty constantly on special teams. It was just like, who are six and twenty? But yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it wasn't perfect. There were a couple times when maybe they got a little further, and you're getting a little upset. But man, just great plays, just flying. Isaiah McDuffie made some plays. Um, McDuffie, Levitt, and and Rudy Ford for sure. Again, I don't know if Ford actually made a tackle on that one play, but I just remember him flying. It, it might even been. I think it was a fair catch that he forced. But the guy was just flying, and that's what he was brought in for. He's a gunner. And a good one. You beat that guy down the sideline, you race him down there so that he's got to call a fair catch. And if he doesn't, you kill him. That's an important phase, man. Field position is is real tough. And, you know, we we had a punter that kicked a 71-yard punt to, to get us out of a bad spot. He had another punt that got him down at the 10-yard line. And, you know, the returning is another part of it. If you kick it down to the 10 and he's able to return it to the 45, what the heck good was the punt? And 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 the returns are also a big deal. You know, if they're able to to pin us down, but you know, with, with a returner giving you an extra 10, 15 yards of cushion, it's it's a big deal. Field position is massive. I mean, how, you, you start a drive on like your own five-yard line, you you just feel like you're, you, you know you're going to punt, just hopefully not out of your own end zone. It feels insurmountable. Man, you start at the 40 like the Packers did like twice, you feel great. I mean, you're almost a couple passes, you're in field goal range. So massive, massive improvement from the special teams, in my opinion. I, I'm very excited to watch that and to, to see the PFF grades and everything, find out some of the stats, who made tackles, and how everybody graded out and all that stuff. But, um, you know, again, the, the mental errors, 
that sucks. Especially, especially super costly ones. You know, I mean, a false start or something, or obviously there was a bunch of wrong routes. Rodgers is screaming at people. I saw Christian Watson get cursed out by Matt LaFleur at one point. You know, simple stuff like that. But when you got dumb mental errors ruining a great drive down the field and then giving the other team the ball, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that kills you. But um, there's a lot here. There's a lot to build off of. They're running the ball great. I think there's plenty with the passing game. We just got to get protection, and I, I think we have a good enough offensive line. In fact, I know we do. This is the same group that we've had that was blocking quite well yesterday with the addition of Elton Jenkins now, and hopefully we'll be getting David Bakhtiari back soon. It's just, it's such a fun, such a fun group. So I'm going to leave it at that. It's very late. I got to go to bed. You folks have yourselves a fantastic night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>